Growing up sucks. Just ask Eric Lauber, father of three 20-somethings and a college professor for decades. Eric helps young adults get smarter, richer, healthier, and happier on the hashtag adulting podcast, Growing Up Sucks. Hey, Steve, welcome to the podcast today. This is, uh, we're going to talk about growing up sucks, and I think we're going to end up talking about marijuana. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I am a senior in college. I actually graduate in a couple months from now, so I'm excited about that. Excited to experience the new world, but a little bit different this year with you know COVID still going on and everything like that. But yeah, it should be fun, and I'm excited to talk about today's topic. That's great. So I just a little more back. How old are you? I am currently 22. Okay. Did you grow up in a big city, a small town? What state did you grow up in? So I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, and it, I would say that I grew up in a pretty decent sized city. I live, there's about, I believe, 35 to 40,000 people that live in the city. So I would call that like a decent sized area yeah. in which I live in. Not the small town I grew up in the 3,000 and uh, not <laughs> no, left to no. So you probably had a Target and a Walmart. We didn't have either. <laughs> yeah, we have many Targets, many Walmarts. So uh, we're going to talk about marijuana. Why don't you go first? Tell me some stories. What do you? Uh, what experience do you have? Yes. So being a college student, I have, as you can imagine, many stories about you know everything from drugs to alcohol to just about anything you can think of. Uh, what there's a couple of stories that come to mind, and I mean I've known friends that have smoked marijuana, have you know eating edibles now edibles has become a thing over the course of the last couple of years um but yeah it's been one of those things that in a way you kind of ignore after a while uh i think the thing that helps is that it's being legalized in many states so uh, the younger generation is kind of like oh it's going to be legal at some point so it's not really how it was years ago where it's like, oh, if you do marijuana, you're a bad person. You're going to be, you're not going to go anywhere in life. It's, it's kind of changed. The kind of the dynamic of marijuana has really changed, especially among college and sadly even high school. But yeah, it's really becoming a new thing that people are going to have to experience. So I'll, I'll tell you the old perspective. You don't have to guess at it because I lived it. So I, (laughs) I know that uh, the world has probably changed, but from what I hear you saying, you, you don't sound like you're a strong user then. I'm not. I've never smoked marijuana. I've, of course, been around it just being in college, like I said, but I've never been in a situation in which I wanted to smoke. It, it's actually funny. The main reason why I don't want to smoke or anything like that, I've never like smoked any cigarettes or anything like that. I'm actually a former runner, so it's one of those things that I kind of grew up learning to not wanting to damage my lungs and everything like that. So yeah, that's kind of like a weird story on why I don't smoke or anything like that. I try to run too. So I don't want to, you know, damage my lungs. And I I gave up cigarettes many, many, many years ago. Thank goodness. Uh, Cause when I grew up, a lot of people smoked cigarettes, almost everybody in my family smoked cigarettes and alcohol was everywhere. But, but, when I grew up, marijuana was really looked down upon. Like if you're mm-hmm. a, a weed user, a pothead, someone who smoked pot, and you didn't have edibles, by the way, 
then it was very different. Mar- marijuana by now, and I looked up a couple facts just to get ready for this podcast. I learned that marijuana is the most used illegal drug in the U.S. Approximately 22 million people each month who use, according to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, which that was not the case. I mean, I think that was true in the 60s, but I'm a little younger than that. I grew up in the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s, and you know, it really died down. And like you said, 15 states have now, and Washington, D.C., have now legalized marijuana for recreational use, while about 34 states and uh, allow medical marijuana. So that's a huge shift, because it was all illegal when I was growing up in the 80s. Um, and I thought I'd throw this in. If you watch the rest of the world doing, they're also legalizing recreational marijuana. The UN, United Nations, recently took marijuana off of its strongest schedule. They, their schedule one and, and four flipped from ours. And uh, so they took it down to one of the weakest schedules drugs. And also the World Health Organization is recommending that marijuana not be considered that dangerous to take it down a notch. So this is all, you know, progress if you want it to be legalized. Though I, I confess to you, my generation, a lot of us really don't want it to be everywhere. We're not cool mm-hmm. with it being as much as alcohol, which is a very damaging drug. We all know a lot of people have problems with it. It causes a lot of damage in car accidents and stuff. But let's, let's talk for a second about decriminalization. I don't know. How do you feel about decriminalizing marijuana? So I think at some point with the growing number of states and everything, it's just going to be one of those things that it kind of becomes the norm. Honestly, you've seen states like, I mean, close to where I live, like New Jersey, and I believe even New York is in the process of legalizing it. it it's really become one of those things that I, I don't know, like for the younger generation, we're not really even like thinking about, oh, you know, it's becoming legal because it's almost like one of those things that as the years go on, you read 22 million people already participating. In it. It's one of those things that, I don't know, it just feels as though that's the new norm. We want to talk about the new norm with everything like that. And I think smoking marijuana and, you know, especially the medical marijuana, I think the medical marijuana and the high use over the last several years. And I think the way that it's helped people in the past is really pushing forward the legalization of it. And yes, I think it's a very good thing in many ways, especially for people that love to talk about the economy. Yeah, you can, I've talked with my friends and everything like that. We've discussed how you can probably tax as much as you want because people are going to buy it no matter what. Or even when I've visited my family members near Nevada, you know, in Nevada, it's legal. You can buy it off the street. Like it's perfectly normal to just walk down the street and just, you're able to just buy it. And that's just, it's one of those things that in the beginning you're, you're thinking that's weird, but over time and the more you're near it and everything like that, you, and the more studies that are coming out about it, it seems as though it's more of a positive thing instead of a negative thing as we once thought it was. Well, I'm going to push back just a little on that. I don't know where I stand, actually, because I'm, I'm kind of trying to catch up. Uh, I realize that things have changed and I've got to try to rethink it. I was strongly against 
legalizing marijuana for many years. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't think all the studies are positive. I think they're showing, for example, that Colorado taxes it very heavily. But mm -hmm. what happened now is that the underground marijuana market has just exploded because you, it's cheaper to go buy it without having a tax, right? To buy it illegally. Mm -hmm. and, and who can tell whether you bought it after you bought it, which way you bought it. So therefore, the underground is just doing fantastic. And I think that's true in several other states. I think the social costs of people who get caught up in the habit of marijuana. Mm -hmm. I know there's a young people don't believe it can be addictive, but I think there's some studies that say that a small percentage of people are going to find that they get really hooked on it. Um, so I, I think that, but I, back to decriminalization, I, I agree with you that, you know, we've put way too many people in jail for possessing or selling marijuana. And I'm not mm -hmm. for that. I'm not for all that criminalization of a chemical that in many ways is far less harmful than other schedule one drugs like cocaine and heroin and, and things like that. Um, so I do, think, do you I have think friends, who, you have friends that have ever gotten in trouble with this? Uh, I'm going to just touch upon something really quick. Okay. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why many people don't want marijuana to be legal is because it does. Some studies do say that it leads to harder drugs. Uh, for instance, stuff like cocaine, and uh, even the worst case scenario would be heroin. But yeah, um, I do have some friends that have, I don't have any friends that have directly gotten in trouble for it, but I know just one story that comes to mind off the top of my head is my, I wasn't there, but I heard from my friends for this story that they went on a road trip throughout uh, the small town that they were in and what they what happened afterwards is that they found out that the driver was smoking before they went into the car and i think that's very, the, probably the most dangerous part about marijuana is that we want to say oh no drinking while driving is bad but we also have to put put in consideration you know smoking marijuana while driving is just as bad if not worse than drinking and yeah, it, I don't know if it's worse. I mean, it could be. I don't know. That's a mm -hmm. scientific question, right? Because it has to do with your cognitive ability, reaction time, your decision making. But mm -hmm. I've had extended family members who've smoked a lot of marijuana and still do. And they, they argue with me that they're better drivers. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You can't be a I've, better driver when you're on marijuana. You've got to be, in some sense, impaired because you're high, right? You're feeling something. Your mind is already on a chemical. So I, I disagree with the conclusion that you're better. I think I, you're worse. I've, How much worse? I don't know. I've heard the same argument. And even the person that was driving at the time during that story w even said that he's like, oh, well, I drive better when I'm high anyway. So what was the big deal? And it, that's not the I don't think that's the point that we're trying to push across. It's the case that you're still driving while impaired, like you said. Well, yeah, and I did look up some data, and I think that the, uh, there's some federal data that shows that people who get in crashes very often are high from marijuana. They have that in their system. And particularly fatal crashes, there's a, a, a big trend towards people having THC. That's the molecule in marijuana that gets you high in their system. And I, you know, we're going to have to keep doing science on this and research, but 
so far it's leaning towards we're having a lot more impaired driving due to high levels of THC. Well, let's talk about potency for just a second. Like, here's an old story. When people smoked around me, and again, I'm not a smoker of that stuff. Uh, when I was young, THC was about 2%, maybe 5 or 10% in the best of the marijuana plants that could be bought by them. And again, everybody smoked. You know that today in vape pens, it can, it can have a wax called dab, but you can have THC levels of 80% or higher in the vape pen. That's not comparable mm -hmm. to smoking a joint in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's just, it's not even, it's like taking 10 of those joints simultaneously in terms of the amount of chemical going into your brain. I don't think people who look around and say old people who smoke marijuana and say, well, look, there's no harm. They've been doing it for a long time. Well, they've probably been doing it a very, very small dose relative to what you get out of a vape pen nowadays. What do you think? Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing like when you learn about in science, how people would cross-pollinate plants to get the best outcome or to get a certain color. That's this, kind of the same thing that they're doing now with these marijuana plants is that they're saying, oh, well, if we combine this plant with this plant, then we get a higher THC level. And that can also be a very dangerous thing to happen. And I think that's one of the things about legalizing it too, is that the government and stuff like that are able to keep a closer eye on what kind of plants are being, you know, crossed between each other and like what the product actually is. Because that's another thing that you have to remember too, is that if you're just buying it off the street, who knows if it's laced or not with another chemical that could become even more damaging to people. I know just in my area, lace heroin became a big, big problem and still is. And that's the same thing with marijuana is that if you just put one chemical in there, you can make it cheaper, but it can kill you a little bit. It could even kill you. Yeah, you, you talk about it. You're talking about fentanyl, right? Fentanyl is in our area. Yes. All yeah, fentanyl, country. yeah. Yeah, it's killing people with heroin. I've heard they've laced it in marijuana too, but I'm obviously not a police officer, but I've heard that. You know, the, so the potency issue, I, I think the one argument for decriminalizing and moving it off of the schedule uh, one, which I think is what he is in the U.S., is to do more research on it. Because I think the research that was done was only done out of a Mississippi university with plants, it was like one kind of plant that had a very low THC level. I think when people do street studies, they start to discover things like one out of 10, one out of six people who use regularly end up forming a habit. I want to say addictive because I think, you know, that has, a, it's a very latent term. I think having a habit is probably more accurate. And, you know, having a habit where you have to smoke before you sleep, you have to smoke before you eat, you know, if you can't sleep or eat without having marijuana, then you've got a problem, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to be careful because as the potency goes up now, is that just going to be quicker to having that strong habit? Is there going to be more people who have that strong habit? And, and that's I the think scariest. the research, has, yeah, the research has to be done on that. And that's the scariest thing I know. Uh, I, I don't many. I don't know too many people, that, and you probably some people you just can't even tell that I would smoke every single day. But I've, I've talked to a couple of people in college that do smoke every day. 
And it's one of those things that's like, they'll tell you that, yeah, I can't function in throughout the day if I don't smoke before I like when I wake up or I can't sleep unless I smoke before I go to bed. That's, I think that's very scary. And that's one of the reasons why I think it was banned for so many years is because you don't want that to be a habit, as you said, and that causes many health problems and everything along those lines. Let's, let's return to that. But let, let me go back to something you said earlier, you mentioned other drugs. In your opinion, what are the biggest drug issues facing high school and college students? Besides marijuana, I think that's when you get into the harder drugs or even drugs, some, something like an Adderall that, or even a common drug that's able to be found in, let's just say your parents' you know, drug cabinet, is that if you, you know, for instance, don't smoke or anything like that, and you find, because some people, you know, smoking is a coping mechanism or, and stuff like that, but that's just a whole another topic. But let's just say you're feeling depressed or something like that, and you just open up the drug cabinet and there's a bunch of stuff there. You know, so you there's going to be pain relievers. Pain relievers like opioids, oxycodone, yeah. Percocet, things like that, right? And, you know, stuff like that can be very addictive, even if someone doesn't even need it uh you see even in adults that those kind of problems but uh, luckily i haven't seen this but i have heard some stories that people in high school and in their young college days do stuff like cocaine like i couldn't even imagine how they get a hold of it but it's out there and it's something to watch out for you know what amazes me about you just said is you listed categories of drugs that weren't prevalent or around when I was on like prescription drugs. Like mm-hmm. We didn't have Adderall floating around our high schools or college and, and Percocet and Oxycontin and, and, and opioids with morphine molecules. We didn't have those floating around. Those are pills. Then you mentioned, yeah, we had cocaine and crack cocaine. Those were around in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, heroin was really rare, as I recall. And there was something called LSD, which mm-hmm. was an issue in just very uh, small pockets. And it was, you know, it's mainly just marijuana in the high schools. I think, I think what people have to be aware of is the, just the sheer amount of chemistry that is there for the taking, the chemistry that affects your mood and, and your mind. Chemistry is getting easier and easier and easier. I remember hearing a report that there were more than 90 different kinds of fentanyl captured by the state police in Pennsylvania it, it like three years ago. I don't even know how many there are now. Mm-hmm. chemistry is getting easier. And I think that young people are faced with a completely different set of circumstances than I was. For me, it might've been, all right, am I going to smoke pot or not? Or smoke cigarettes or not? Mm-hmm. Drink alcohol or not? But all the rest of the drugs were out of my small town. You guys have everything around. Everything. So you, you have more no choices to make. And it's just getting easier. So you, and I'm saying you, meaning obviously me too. I have to be yeah. careful about drugs and alcohol, but we have to make a commitment maybe to just living chemical free in the kinds of chemicals that affect our mind, right? I think that's, that's the choice. Am I going to do any of these things 
that are going to start to reshape the neurochemistry in my brain? Mm. Or can I do go without any of them? Now, you mentioned uh, people smoke sometimes to feel better. I think there's a tendency on some to kind of self-medicate when they have anxiousness and anxiety, when they feel like they're depressed, when they feel like they can't sleep. I get that, but I think it's dangerous because almost all of these are habit forming in some way or another. And I would recommend medical doctor. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think it's, I think the other thing is that you have stuff like social media that doesn't help. You might say, Oh, what's your, you might say what your problem is. And then people will bombard you with, Oh, Hey, you know, maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're stressed out. And we're kind of putting up names to stuff that we don't really know. You know, you might be having just a bad week and you might just feel sad, but you're just trying to get through. But people will say, Oh, well, maybe you're stressed out or maybe you're depressed. Here's an idea of what you could take to kind of help relieve that stress or kind of help relieve that pain. And like you said, the best thing to do is just to go see a doctor because they'll help you out with whatever issues you have, or maybe even see, I know people don't want to do it, but go see something like a therapist. Therapy is always a very healthy thing to do for anyone, no matter how old, how young you may be. If you have a problem, then I'm sure someone out there is also experiencing the same thing. And if that therapist or that doctor can't help you out, I can guarantee you that they will lead you in the right direction. I really like what you're saying, Stephen. I think that's very, very mature and has a really good perspective on it. I don't know, think that it's shared by all. I don't even think my own kids would agree with what you just said. But, you know, my, my, my reply is, is I don't, you, what you hinted at is that peers are giving advice to other peers about chemistry that's going to solve psychology. I don't remember that ever happening in my generation. No one's going to come up to me that I remember and says, well, what you need to take is Xanax or Zoloft, or let me get you some prescription pills and that'll solve your problem. Mm. You know, that, that seems dangerous. (laughs) Even stuff like, Oh, I know a guy that can put you, that can give you stuff. Cause that's another thing. I think that's the biggest problem in places like college is that you hear from one person and then they might say oh i know a person and then it's kind of a whole big cycle oh you know i know a person here's this guy's number here's this person's number and it's just a whole big long cycle Hmm. it's never ending it's one of those things that we might want to say oh this isn't a problem at your college but i truly believe that it's a problem at every single university college whatever it may be in the united states or in even the world yeah i you know we're gonna we're gonna have to end this conversation just for because of time i know we're gonna come Mm -hmm. back to this myself and some of the other people coming on board here you know i I do want to say i'm on antidepressants and i have been for years Mm -hmm. and you know, you could call me a hypocrite if I try to advise people not to take mood and mind altering substances because I'm taking a mood and mind altering substances. And, but I would argue that I'm taking the minimum amount of dose. It's been researched heavily. I, I know the manufacturer is clean. 
the doctor monitors it. I talk about it when I go in and see my doctor every year or every six months. And uh, I don't even feel high. There's no high to the amount of chemistry that I'm taking, which is just helping me get over my seasonal affective disorder, which I experience every year. I want to advocate for that. If people feel like they're not, they need help, they don't feel right, then I think that's the approach to take. But I think that it, allowing yourself to get into this black market of illegal drugs, you don't know who made them, what's, what they're laced with. You don't know how strong they are. They could be much, much stronger than anything I'm taking, which means they're going to be more habit forming, possibly. And then that could lead you into a rabbit hole that could be really hard to get out of. I think that's where I want to leave this. Your response. Yeah. The, like you said, best thing to do to get help, go see a doctor and yeah, just everyone's dealing with some sort of issue. It's just, maybe you just need to talk it out. And I know my friend just went to therapy for the first time ever. He's 20, 20 years old, just went for the first time ever last week. And he said it was a good experience. It was nice to get everything out, especially what, what's happened throughout the year. I know a lot of people are stressed and everything like that, but maybe just going to see someone or maybe talking to someone over the phone just to help you out mm -hmm. is the best thing that you can do for your life right now. Yeah. And I, and I'll add into it and I'm not a clinical psychologist. I am a research psychologist mm -hmm. that um, people should understand that therapies are much better today than they've ever been. Right. We're very good at treating anxiety. We're very good at treating depression. We're, we're very good at helping people out, but they have to get past that stigma and that barrier and just start the conversation with someone. And it may not work on the very first try. That's true with all medicine, right? Mm -hmm. The diagnosis can be, well, we need to try a couple of things. So you got to give it a, you got to stick with it. But in the end, you know, it, you're going to be much, much better off. That's my promise. Steve, I really appreciate you talking about this touchy subject with me today. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me anytime. Thank you for listening to the Growing Up Sucks podcast with Eric Lauber. 